so enjoy being in here with you. I do so enjoy opening God's Word. Um, so looking forward to this time with you right now. Um, uh, so can you still see me if I put this up like this? My, uh, <laughs> here I am. Okay. All right. <laughs> Let's go to Proverbs 15. Proverbs 15. <laughs> Somebody was telling me yesterday, it's, uh, uh, it's not my humor they laugh at, it's me laughing at my own humor. Is, is what they, is what they, <laughs> uh, that they enjoy. And I think people are just laughing at my joke. And they're just laughing at me laughing at my joke. <laughs> All right, Proverbs 15, 15. Uh, we'll look at this today. Um, uh, so Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Well, I thought, oh, a continual feast. I like the idea of a continual feast. Um, Over the holidays, boy, did I do some feasting. Uh, Back to Thanksgiving, and then uh, through the Thanksgiving, uh, the, the holiday break with Christmas and New Year's. I mean, I there was steak at one point, ribs, Chicken kebabs. Ugh. Had a Thanksgiving meal that, that, that would bring tears to the eyes of any man with even halfway functioning taste buds. Um, and again, this, I mean, I mean, maybe when I was your age, I wasn't that interested, but for New Year's, we had sauerkraut and pork. Oh, it was so good. Went to, went, went to Chicago a couple times for some fancy meals there. I felt like Nathan Hale, uh, a little bit, basically the same. You know, when he said, I, I only regret that I have but one life to lose for my country. Uh, my, my, my statement was pretty close, equally as passionate. Oh, and I, uh, I only regret that I have what, but one stomach to fill at, at this meal. Um, wow, did some feasting. And I like the idea, the Bible says, um, he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast, a continual feast. Uh, You know what that sounds like? It sounds like Thanksgiving all year round. So we'll we'll take that as a a title today, Thanksgiving all year round, a continual feast, a feast that just goes on and on and on. Um, So here we are back to school. Two days ago I was driving my kids in, uh, for school, and I could sense the depression in, in the car, you know, so I was trying to change their perspective a little bit uh, instead of a uh, back to the grind. And, you know, life isn't supposed to be the grind. <laughs> it's like you have break, and then you have the grind, and then the grind, you endure the grind until you can get back to the break, and then the grind, and then the break, and the grind. That's not how how life is supposed to be. Um, but, you know, uh, gratefulness, uh, the person with a merry heart hath a continual feast. You can be like, boy, I, I feel like I'm on Thanksgiving, uh, the, the Thanksgiving special time all year round, a continual feast. Uh, the, the devil wants us to long to, to, for, for something different than what we have. Uh, long for a different uh, place. Oh, the grass is greener. I would be happy if. It shouldn't be I would be happy if. 
Boy, right here, in this chair, in chapel, right now, hearing from God's word, ah, it doesn't get better than this. But the devil wants you longing for some different place. The devil wants you longing for a different time. Oh, this, I got, I got to listen to people now, but there will come a day when I got, I don't have to, I get to quit listening to mom and dad, quit listening to the teacher, quit listening to the, the dorm supervisor, quit listening. Oh, I long for that day. Uh, and I was laughing. Uh, I'd written it down years ago, Alec. Um, you know, they say that the power to tax is the power to destroy, but not to a three to five year old. Uh, in camp, the power to take away pool time. That's power. That's power. And I remember, and Alec was helping with the three to five year olds. He was he was a an honorary you know a counselor or something. He's in there, and and now I mean he has that ultimate power to take away pool time, you know. And so I mean, Grant, the ultimate power corrupts, right? And and so he's got that power. That's real power to a three to five year old. And so again, he's just in there, and he's like, boy. Having all this power isn't what it's cracked up to be. Being in charge of three to five girls, you know, they go, oh, if, if I had the power like that, trust me, it's not. Boy, when, someday when I'm in charge, uh, uh, you know. And so the devil wants you longing for a different time. Someday. Ah, thank God for today. And don't, I'll have the power. No, no, thank God for the people that, Lord, thank you for that person that you gave responsibility. They love me. Uh, thank you for that person. Thank you for that. And you long to, to have the power. that they, Oh, it's, it's not all. Tell the devil, get away. He wants you to long for a different place, long for a different chapter. No, no, no. Thank God for today and for the people that are over you, care about you. Praise God for today. Um, so nowadays, Brother Schrock, you know, that we, we, we can call and any, any, that the cell phones can call and tell your, your parents how awful it is. Um, uh, back, back in the day, we had to wait for the pay, the pay phone to, to get on the phone and tell them how awful it was. Uh, <laughs> but my, my dad wasn't going to let me tell him how awful it was. But you want to tell him how awful it is, you want to complain without complaining. My dad's not going to let me complain to him. But, but I remember on the phone with my dad, it's like, Dad. 10,000 rules to learn here, projects to complete, quizzes to take, tests, class schedules, ministries, etc., etc. And I knew better than to ask him, do you feel sorry for me? Um, I, I'm not going to ask my dad that. Um, but at the same time, I was like, oh, it sounds terrible. You know, you're waiting for something like that over the phone. I remember my dad shocking me when it didn't seem like he heard a thing I said. And instead it was, Wow, what I would have given to have had those opportunities when I was your age. See, my dad grew up in an unsaved home, and uh, he was drafted to go to Vietnam. And it was uh, as, as he was, he was he, somebody was preaching to the troops one day where he heard the gospel for the first time and trusted Christ. And, and here I was trying to tell him how, how rough my life is. And my dad just like, wow. To be able to just study God's word. And to be in an environment 
specifically designed for you to grow in the things of God. He had a different perspective than I did. And you know, you're like, Dad, quit telling me how blessed I am. It doesn't fit the rhetoric. Well, how about, and change, how about we change the rhetoric to fit how blessed you truly are? Life isn't supposed to be the grind. Um, I, 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 I love coming in. <laughs> you know, there was a time where as a pastor, you feel like hiding from everybody. You know, like, make sure the hallways are clear and then come in because somebody's going to stop me and tell me about an issue they're having. You know, I don't want to hear about everyone's issues. Oh, yeah, I'm the pastor. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to care about what people are going through. <laughs> but, you know, the Lord helps you get to the point where you're praying for folks and, hey, what's going on? I want to know. I care. And that's not me. That's, that's the Lord helping me. And, and God says he'll do that. Proverbs, I'm sorry, Philippians 2.13. It's God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So how can we have Thanksgiving all year round? Well, it's to ha- have, a, have a merry heart. Let's close in prayer. I'm just kidding. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, wait, I have a few more minutes. So let's, let's, develop, let's develop that just a bit. All right. <laughs> um, so how can we have Thanksgiving all year round? It's to have a merry heart. So let's study the merry heart for a little bit. Uh, we have a few more minutes, so let's, let's fill it up. Well, I'm sure we'll come up with something to say. All right, so Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. So again, I, I ate good over Thanksgiving and the Christmas and New Year's break. And sadly, those times of feasting in that way come to an end. Um, I, I don't have the Thanksgiving spread uh, waiting for me every evening. And then the time on the couch and like laying back, watching some football, falling asleep. That's not life. But here it talks about a, a continual feast that the person with the merry heart gets to enjoy. An old precious book that we get to open today. Let's tap into the secrets of the merry heart. In the book of Proverbs, it talks about the merry heart three different times. Uh, twice here in this chapter. So if we go back two verses, I think you're there in Matthew, uh, Proverbs 15, 15. So if we go back two verses, you see uh, verse 13, Proverbs 15, 13. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. So countenance, that's your face. That's a... Hmm, that's the that's smile that's on your face. A merry heart. What's in your heart finds its way onto your face. Um, the Bible says, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. And by the way, there's an attractiveness to a person, that there's something inside of them, that there's a merry heart inside. And it makes its way out onto their face. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. But by sorrow... Of the heart, the spirit is broken. The spirit is broken. Maybe you've had times like that where you feel like, I have, I have a hard time uh, putting one foot in front of the other. My spirit feels broken. There are some things that life has hurt. My spirit feels broken. I, I have a hard time moving forward in life. So let's talk about that. But the, the merry heart, 
can help us get past those times. It can, it can, it can put a smile on your face that says, uh, mm, uh, today is the day the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. And there's something that, that, that keeps me moving. So first, I think the merry heart is motivational. Motivational. Uh, instead of that broken spirit that, that uh, I, I have a hard time. And, and it's, it's that I long for a different day. I long for a different time. I long for a different place. No, right now, I'm excited about the moment I'm in right now. I'm excited about moving through this moment because I have a merry heart. It's motivational. And then uh, here where we just look, Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil. But he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. All that. So the merry heart, it's filling. It's that continual feast. So not, not only is the merry heart motivational, but it, it seems like it's so meaningful. Meaningful. It's that continual feast. It fills my life with meaning. Uh, it, it's linked to fullness of joy and, and fullness of satisfaction. It's motivational and it's, and it's meaningful. And then, of course, you guys are probably thinking of the other one, huh? Like, I don't even know about these. When I think of a merry heart, I think of the one that says, it doeth good like a medicine. And that's in Proverbs 17, 22. The merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But we come back to that broken spirit again. The broken spirit drieth the bones. And so you say, my, my spirit is broken. Well, that the, the, the merry heart is a medicine. The great physician hands you the medicine, but what do you have to do when the physician hands you the medicine? You have to take it. You can go on with your broken spirit, or you can take the, the medicine. So this one was easy as far as alliteration, right? So the, the merry heart is motivational and, and meaningful, and it's medicinal, medicinal. It's, it's a medicine. It's, it's linked to strength and stability. Strength and stability. So let's look at each one of these in, in the time we have left. So uh, Proverbs 15, 13. So let's go back to that first one. Proverbs 15, 13. Uh, a merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. Uh, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. So uh, again... Uh, 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 young people, we, we've all seen it, haven't we? You know what's in their heart that day. You know they're going through some things. You can just tell by what's on their face. You can, you're like, hey, good morning. Like, there isn't a merry heart behind that. There's not a merry heart. And it could have, I, have a, I have a broken spirit. I have, I have those, those dry bones. There's a selfishness. I've been hurt. And I, and I feel good just dwelling on how I was hurt. I choose to dwell on it. It feels good to think of myself as this victim. Um, uh, and, and again, I, I think, you know, what does it say in 2 Corinthians 5? That, 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 uh, that, that we'll all stand before God. We'll all stand before God. Um, every one of us will give account of himself to God. Like, oh, good. I can't wait to stand before him. And he's going to explain why, my, why, why he wasn't good enough to me. Do you think that's how it's going to be? Do you think that God's going to explain? Oh, good. He'll give account. I, I'm sorry. That's not what the verse says. 
Why are you living like you're going to stand before God someday? Oh, he's got some explaining to do. No, you're going to stand before him and God's going to say, was, was I good? And was I gracious to you? What did you do with my goodness and my, gracious, my graciousness? I chose to act like it wasn't there and focus only on the hard things in my life. It made me feel better to count myself a victim. And me feeling better, that, that's, that's the main thing, is it? No. Oh, you're going to be real honest when you stand before him. And you, it's not him that's going to give an account for himself to you. It's you that's going to give an account to him. Was I not good? Was I not gracious? Yes, Lord. You were. What did you do with my goodness and my graciousness in your life? I acted like it wasn't there. And, and again, I, I was young. <laughs> and it felt good to act like you're mad at everybody. And, and I, well, this happened to me and that person. <laughs> Get over it. Is God good today or not? And if you have that merry heart, it will show up on your face. And I know there's teachers that come in and there's, they see people glaring at them. What's in your heart? It will show up on your face. A merry heart maketh a cheerful countenance. The merry heart is, is motivational, we said. It's linked with purpose and vitality. We can either have a, a spirit that's broken or a spirit that's brimming with life. What did the psalmist say in Psalm 23? My cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. Um, when you're down, it shows on your face. Sometimes we're down because of sin in our life. Remember Cain in Genesis 4, 5, but unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. Cain disobeyed and God rejected his... But I felt really good about my offering. It doesn't matter how you feel. You didn't bring the offering I wanted. Well, I'm going to be... Oh, I'll, I'll be mad at you until you, you reject my disobedience. Oh, I'll give you time to come around. God's not going to come around. You go on being angry with him. You're the only one getting hurt, and I don't want you to be hurt. He doesn't want you to be hurt. In fact, God said to Cain, listen, you can make this right. Why is your countenance fallen? Well, because of sin. Sin. His countenance was fallen. Uh, disobedience and the accompanying rejection caused sorrow, and it's, it made its way onto his face. His countenance fell, the Bible says. He had the choice to get right or get angry at God for rejecting his disobedience. And we know which way he chose. So sin brings, uh, 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 can cause our countenance to fall. Uh, we also know that sorrow brought Nehemiah, uh, caused Nehemiah's countenance to fall, don't we? There in Nehemiah 2, verses 1 and 2, it came to pass in the month Nisan, in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, the king, that wine was before him, and I, that's Nehemiah, I took up the wine and gave it unto the king. Now I had not uh, been before time sad in his presence. Wherefore the king said unto me, um, Why is thy countenance sad? Now, he had just learned of 
uh, how, how Jerusalem was broken down and, and, and how terrible things were going. And, and by the way, it's, it's when, you're, when, when something that's precious to God is broken down, it's, it's all right to be sorrowful. Oh, Lord. When, when I, the other day, I was like, Lord, I, how, we're, we're murdering babies in this country. They're precious to you, God. They're precious to you, and we're murdering them. I, I, you could tell on my face that that bothered me. I was praying that the other day. Lord, thank you for little steps that are made to do less of that, Lord. And, 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 uh, and, 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 and I think some of the steps, are, there's some that are being saved. But Lord, oh God, we're awful down here. And, and Jerusalem was broken down and that bothered Nehemiah and, and that showed up. So sorrow, sorrow showed up. Was, sorrow was inside of him and sorrow showed up on his face and Artaxerxes saw it. Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? And what did our verse say? Um, but by sorrow of the heart, the spirit is broken. And what did Artaxerxes say? Why is thy countenance sad, seeing thou art not sick? This is nothing else but sorrow of heart. Sorrow in his heart caused his countenance to fall. Then was I very sore afraid. Because you're not allowed to look unhappy in the presence of the king. That makes the king feel like he's not doing a good job. (laughs) Back in those days. Which that's not a bad idea to keep in mind, huh? When you live a miserable life, you you, you act like he's not doing a good job. It should be like, Lord, I, I, I shouldn't look miserable because it, it tells everybody that you're not doing a good job, and that's not true. You are doing a good job. How dare I live my life looking like I'm miserable? It's a misrepresentation of the God I serve. Here, disappointment uh, caused sorrow of heart and made its way to his face. There was a pastor in Texas who used to close his radio show with these words, be good to everybody because everybody is having a hard time. Again, they're, they're going through some things and, 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 and that, that merry heart, as we'll, we'll look at in our third point, but medicinal, take that medicine, have that merry heart. We're going to talk about that some today that, that causes your countenance to brighten. What can cheer the heart? Well, look on the bright side. You have a God that loves you very much. I prayed those words this morning. Our Father, which art in heaven. My dad passed away in 2002. I don't have a dad down here, but I have a father. I'm not an orphan. Megan, those words are precious to her. Lydia, we're not an orphan no matter what, because I can pray, our Father, you have a Father who loves you very much. Are you saved? Then you have the best treasure ever. The Lord Jesus is part of your life. He's better than anything this world has to offer. Remember Elkanah said to Hannah in in 1 Samuel 1, 8, Am I not better to thee than ten sons? You know, so sometimes I would be happy if, what is it that you're lacking? And Elkanah said, am I not better to thee than ten sons? And, 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 and of course that question, you're focused on what you don't have. And, and that's, that's, 
but can you focus on who you do have? Am I not better to thee? Now for you know a woman, that's fine for a woman to want to have a son. And that husband's not going to be the same as a son. But in reality, God says, am I not better to thee than anything? You would be happy if you had. I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Hebrews, one of the themes of the book of Hebrews is better. Thirteen times it talks about how, how Christ is better than, than, than angels and, and the Judaistic system and, and, and Moses and all those things. Better, better. Uh, when, when the word better, we use better to compare things, don't we? And in, in, in Proverbs 15, he uses better than, better than in verses 16 and 17. So let's go there. We're in, so better, uh, uh, we're going to compare some things. Uh, so there in, in Proverbs 15, verse 16, um, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. You, you, God says, am I not better to thee then? Am I not part of your life? What do you need to make you happy? If you already have me, what does that say about me? I am not enough in your life. I'd be happy if I had tons of money. Nope. The real treasure is the fear of the Lord. And you can just have that. Nobody's in control of that except for you. Treasure, you may or may not have money. Fear of the Lord, that's up to you. And that's better anyway. What did they say when, when Michigan just won? They went to Coach Harbaugh, and they're like, who has it better than you, Coach? Nobody! And then his dad came up on the stage, and who is it? And I guess, I guess that goes back to when they were young and they start to complain, and dad would always tell them, who has it better than us? And they had to tell dad, nobody. We're very blessed. And somehow that became part of the commentary and, and all of that. But you know what? Who has it better than you when you have Christ as your Savior? Let's, let's try that again. Who has it better than you? Let's try it again. Who has it better than you? Nobody. Why? Because you have Christ as your Savior. What do you need besides that before your life is fulfilled? As soon as you start living like, Lord, my life is so full because you are in it, that's when God says you haven't seen anything yet. Oh, he loves to bless the person that's grateful for his blessings. Verse 16 says, better is. But also verse 17 says, better is a dinner of herbs. Isn't that interesting? We're talking about the continual feasting. The continual feasting. And then he says, by the way, better is a dinner of herbs. You have something simple there? The person that's excited about Jesus can enjoy a PBJ more than the guy walking out of Ruth's Chris without the Lord. And I mean it. I mean it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox. You have everything you need. You have all the wherewithal to create wealth. That stalled ox. I, I can do work. I can, I can get wealth. I can, I can, I can. Says better is a dinner of herbs. Just a little bit of food when there's love there. And, and the truth is, a lot of people in this room, you're so loved. And you're like, oh, away with the love. They love me and they want good things for me and, and, and uh, uh, forget what they want, I want. And then you fight against the love that's being poured out on you. And it's part of growing up. It's natural. To, you have a sin nature and you fight against the love that's being poured out on you. But don't better 
is a dinner of herbs where love is. Well, I'd be happy if I had more power to gain wealth or if I had a life full of fancy meals. No, the real treasure is in real love. And and you have that in your life. Are you grateful for it or are you fighting against it? By the way, when I was in Chicago in those fancy restaurants, there was a lot of people there. And you say, well, that's the, that's the life. That's the continual... F-. No, that's not the continual feasting. Matthew 7, where it talks about most people not having the Lord on that broad path to destruction, there's misery. You can be miserable and have a fancy meal in front of you. The continual feasting that this is talking about is, oh, Lord, boy, you just keep outdoing yourself. Day after day, your blessings. Oh, my, it's wonderful. And the continual feasting of seeing that God really is amazingly good every day in your life. All right, the second one, Proverbs 15, 15. All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. So the, the person, the afflicted person, his days are evil, and then contrasted with, but the person with the afflicted heart, I'm sorry, the merry heart, the merry heart hath a continual feast. So the merry heart is meaningful, meaningful. It fills your life with meaning. The feast, the continual feast, ought to feast and to fill your life. To have a life full, a life of fullness instead of a dry life, instead of an empty life. You, and again, we would look at Solomon and say that he had that full life, didn't he? Uh, and, 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 but what did he say? I was listening to Pastor Olson, a Sunday school, uh, adult Sunday school, and he was talking about Solomon when he said, therefore, he filled his life with all that this world had to offer. And he said, therefore, I hated life. Solomon, everything this world had, you cannot begin to imagine what he had access to with the wealth that he had. And he lavished this world's uh, satisfaction on himself and his conclusion was, therefore, I hated life. Would he be a good one to talk about how important the merry heart is? Like if he wrote a book called Proverbs. I looked in the wrong places and it wasn't there. The merry heart, looking to the Lord and finding your satisfaction in Him, that's where it's at. Believe me, I looked. The devil will tell you, look what you don't have because you're a Christian. But there's a person in this verse that says, look what I do have because... I'm a Christian. Thanksgiving is a time of reflection. We count God's blessing. Uh, uh, we count God's blessings. We name them one by one. Then we thank and, and praise Him. Uh, there's this, uh, all those testimony times, right? Uh, jolly 60s. I, I, I would say, hey, we're going to have a testimony time. And, and, I, and, I, and I would have known the older folks and, and, and uh, prayed with them over certain things. And, and they would get up and, and they, they just, there'd be some tears and say, oh, I went through some things this last year. And I looked to the Lord, and he was there, and he was good. And little kids don't understand how you can have that merry heart and tears on your face at the same time. But I would walk out of that room with tears in my eyes and just a heart full of merriness as you, as you think about how good God is. You heard about it yesterday, didn't you? 
how the, God sends those problem times. Brother Betrell, God sends those problems to remind you how much you need him and how precious the reminder is, how much we need him. So here we have a contrast, not, because, not between success and suffering, but between pessimism and godly trust. The mature heart says, God um, has been way better to me than I deserve. I don't understand why he's so good to me. It's the evil heart, uh, the afflicted heart, uh, the immature heart that says, uh, I don't understand why God just won't be better to me. I deserve more. The days of the afflicted are evil. They're unpleasant. They're, they're miserable, burdened by the weight of their own negativity. There is no bright side, only gloom. In fact, it bothers them when they see somebody that's actually happy. They roll their eyes and pfft. Can't stand that person. <laughs> the merry heart is rewarded with a continual feast. You can have Thanksgiving all year round when you hang on to the spirit of gratefulness. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And the last one, Proverbs 17, 22, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. A merry heart is medicinal. It's linked with great strength and stability. Uh, Dr. Sorensen said this about this verse, A, a cheerful heart is very therapeutic. Whereas a wounded spirit causes one to wither away. In the Bible, we are repeatedly commanded to rejoice. I, I looked up this verse, uh, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation, the idea of gentleness, your patience, be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Don't live your life like an orphan. You have a heavenly father. Don't like, oh, I don't. Yes, take your needs to your heavenly father. He loves you. And then tell somebody, I'm so happy that when I have an issue, I have someone I can take it to. My life is so good. Who has it better than me? Nobody. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Sorensen continues, the injunction is active and not passive. We can lift our spirits rather than wallow in despair with a wounded spirit. The choice is ours. The difference is profound. When one rejoices, everything looks better. When one nurses hurt feelings... Everything looks worse. So remember we talked about Nehemiah? This is none other than sorrow of heart. Why is your countenance fallen? This is none other than, than sorrow of heart. And it's made its way onto your face. Well, I'm, I'm glad to report that later on he says this. Nehemiah 8.10 then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry. For the joy of the Lord 
is your strength. The merry heart is medicinal. It will give strength to your life. The merry heart. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus by His presence all divine, true and tender, pure and precious. Oh, how blessed to call Him mine. Oh, that thrills my soul is Jesus. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand in my blessed Lord I see. Thanksgiving all year round. All the precious secrets of the merry heart. Who has it better than you? If you have Christ, it's